Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for Common Sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby, standing for truth, justice, and the American way, bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Well, it's only Tuesday, and well, we have a lot of news for you today. I mean, it's some breaking news here and everywhere. And in the studio with us, we have uh, Judge Richard Weinberg, Craig Eaton from Brooklyn, and uh, next to me is uh, Rita the very, Cosby. very, very charming Rita Cosby. By the way, did you see, um, uh, it just came out that they have announced a special election day, John. Breaking news, WABC. Uh, this is for uh, George Santos's seat. Uh, the governor just announcing that the special election will take place on Tuesday, February 13th. Now, tell me what is the purpose? Craig Eaton, yeah. you are GOP chairman of, of Brooklyn for 10 years. What is the purpose of having this election? Why couldn't they just, he would only be a congressman and vote, would have voted. Uh, with, uh, with the Republicans for another 12 months. It, it makes no sense, John. We would have had They're a primary. They're going to spend $20 million there a, each. There would have been a primary in June. How many months? That's six Wazzy's months away. going to spend $20 million. Uh, the Republicans are going to spend $20 million. Isn't that a waste of money? And we potentially could lose that seat for the Republican Party. So you know what? They should have just let him sit there, give him no committee assignments, let him do whatever he wanted to do in Washington. And in June, they have a primary. And... Everyone will run against him. I, I just don't understand it. Well, you know, you know where it. I have a problem. Listen, I think George Santos, there's a couple loopy things. He was on the OnlyFans. Apparently now he's on Cameo. I mean, there's, and all this campaign money. Did you money. hear those Cameo things <laughs> yeah, he's doing? It's like, God. it's like $200 lunacy. a piece. It's yeah, not right. they say you can make $8,700 well, right, so a week. Let me week ask you, is there anybody in the room who would give George Santos their credit card number for a Cameo <laughs> appearance? I knew that, that, that would get a laugh. That's a good point. But where I have have a problem guys is look there's some questionable things with campaign funds and all that stuff but at the end of the day do you want to set a standard in congress where congress is deciding no. before somebody's convicted of a crime well, to he kick goes them into out the history that's books. a slippery slope he goes into the history books with two convicted congressmen and three confederate <laughs> Which list do we put him on? Confederacy or uh, con- he wasn't convicted? He goes doesn't go on that list. I have it on good authority. He's very close friends with Robert E. Lee. So oh, okay, there you He's go. Now we've solved it. We've solved now, it. Craig, Craig yes. we were talking before. You were ten years GOP chairman of Brooklyn. You live in Brooklyn. Yes. That Brooklyn has become a jungle. You heard me talking about it on the radio yesterday. What's going on in Brooklyn? You tell us. You know, Brooklyn is becoming the stabbing capital of New York City. I mean, we just look at the headlines. Boy 15 stabbed at uh, Brooklyn High School today. Uh, oh, wait, wait, wait. You know, AOC is going to call in and say we're going to ban knives. <laughs> She's I mean, going to have to ban, ban cars, trains. <laughs> there have been multiple stabbings every day since December 1st. There was a, a woman charged in a fatal stab in Brooklyn on the 5th. A man stabbed to death in Brooklyn on the 4th. Brooklyn man charged with stabbing his girlfriend on the third. I mean, if you just look, it's just uh, Brooklyn teen struck down by fatal gunshot. Oh, there was a gunshot on December first. There wasn't a stabbing, but crime is on the rise. And you read the statistics; they say crime is down. Today, the stats came out, Craig, and I had to laugh again. It was like crime is down. They said in almost every area, except uh, hate crimes are up. Uh, but everything else is peachy keen. Smoke and mirrors. It's right. all smoke and mirrors. And we came up with the reality. The reason crime is down is 
Arrests are down, not crime. Yeah, they don't. They're, they're not making the arrests. The police so officers are not making arrests. Why would they want right. to make arrests? They're exposing themselves, right? Right, Judge. I mean, the immunity is gone. They're exposing themselves. Judge Everything's Richard on Weinberg camera. On the bench it's for what? Crazy. Fifteen years. Fifteen years. How many criminals have you seen in fifteen years? Thousands upon thousands upon thousands. Okay, what the heck is going on right now, Judge? What happened is. The legislature started off by uh, making it a climate for lawlessness by the so-called bail reforms and criminal justice reforms. You have DAs who don't enforce the laws. Unfortunately, some of the people on the bench don't understand their obligations to protect the public. And it's a troubling situation. So a combination of bad legislation, bad DAs, judges who uh, – Afraid of not being reappointed or reelected. Wait, wait. Some problem. of the current judges are your friends. You go to dinner with them at least once a week. Tell me, what are they saying to you? Their eyes are bleeding. Their heads are exploding nah. because they are law and order judges. And they understand their obligation is to protect and the public. And their hands are tied. And their hands are tied. And that's because, all due respect to the governor and the legislative leaders, New York is the only jurisdiction in the country where judges do not have the ability to hold somebody in based on their dangerousness to the community. It's an awful situation to be in. Then they have the situation where they, they raise the age, so you can't take some of the most dangerous people, the punks at 15, 16, What about the clearing age. of the record? Clean the slate out. Clean the slate. That, you can't get worse so, than that. So you know what happens with that? So you can't even do a screening about who your employee is or who your tenant is. I mean, how ridiculous is this? They're doing everything possible to make it difficult are they for law enforcement. Me, are they forcing me to hire murderers and gristides? They're putting real limitations on you in terms of your ability to do search. In but other words, you won't know. When you hire somebody, you don't know if their criminal background is, and it could be something right now, serious. Up to now, we're doing background checks. Of course, sure you we, have, we have no murderers and Gristinis. How we, scary we is that, John? Alan Dershowitz is on. Bring him in. Yep. We've got the Harvard Law School professor emeritus, of course, a big best-selling author, and Professor Dershowitz, uh, first, I have a lot of questions on these anti-Semitism hearings, but let's kind of continue where we were talking about what is going on where there is this huge, like, just it's like a system where they, they're arrested, if they're arrested at all, and the next minute they're getting back out. This is a scary situation. It is a scary situation, and denial of bail is supposed to be done when people pose a substantial danger of continuing criminality. And, I mean, the bail system right from the beginning has been a mess. Uh, too much of an emphasis on monetary bail, not enough of an emphasis on real proof of, of dangerousness. But you have people let out who have long, long histories of assaultive conduct, and they're let out with either no bail or a very, very low bail. And the amount of bail is not a deterrent because uh, – some of them engage in, 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 in robbery when they're out. So it, it's a mess. It's a t- complete mess. Worse in New York than other places. But, you know, it's a mess around the country. Yeah, it sure is. By the way, um, Pro- Professor Dershowitz, as a woman, I want to say something. I am so disgusted at some of these women groups that have not said anything about these horrible atrocities that were committed by Hamas on Israeli women. Some of the stories that have just come out. Where are the women groups speaking out? Some of them have not only remained silent. Women in the National Lawyers Guild, this 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 uh, horrible uh, um, woke progressive left wing organization, the women who claim to be feminists 
have defended Hamas, have supported Hamas. They have said that what Hamas did was entirely appropriate military action, gang rape, cutting off the breasts of women and playing with them. The National Lawyers Guild defends that and supports it. Groups at Harvard defend that and support it. Yeah, silence is one thing. Where is Susan Sarandon? Silence is one thing. But complicity and defending that kind of conduct, I'm not talking about defending them in a court of law. I'm talking about defending them morally for their horrible, horrible conduct. I mean, they use gang rape as a weapon of war, which is a core violation of the rules of war. But I guess for the National Lawyers Guild, if you rape an Israeli, that doesn't count. Uh, It only counts if you rape somebody who's not Jewish or not an Israeli. Shame on the National Lawyers Guild. Anybody who belongs to that organization should quit or be held responsible for their outrageous, outrageous conduct. I'm embarrassed that they're lawyers. You know, and uh, by the way, Professor Alan Dershowitz, this is just coming in here. Uh, 92 Democrats voted present. 13 voted against a resolution condemning the surge of anti-Semitism, equating it with anti-Zionism. I mean, where are the voices? This, this to me, and it comes on the heels of uh, Pramila Jayapal. This is the Democrat. She is head yeah. of the Progressive Caucus. She made it sound like it was a trick question the other day when CNN was asking about, again, these assaults on women. And she said, well, let's have some balance. Have you ever heard of a member of Congress, a sitting member of Congress, who's in a leadership position saying, I need some balance when it comes to Hamas? Are you kidding me? There is no balance. I have to tell you, every Democrat, every Democrat who has said, made statements like that, I will support their opponents, whether they're Republicans or independents or anyone else. Nobody belongs in Congress who has views like that. They are much worse than Santos, much worse than people who have been expelled from from Congress. The idea that you can justify rape, beheadings, kidnappings, but the people on the woke left are, are doing that today. That's why I wrote my book. I wrote my book in 32 days, War Against the Jews, because I wasn't writing so much about the 7th of October. I was writing about the 8th when the National Lawyers Guild and 33 uh, groups at Harvard and the Bronx Public Defenders came out in favor. Would you want to be defended in the Bronx by somebody who supported rape and who supported murder and supported beheadings? Some of these legal aid agencies ought to be ashamed of themselves. Or doesn't have the courage to speak out against it. We need moral clarity. I mean, if you can't sit and condemn rapes against women mm-hmm. and, and these horrible atrocities, uh, where is your moral compass? Well, your moral compass is in the garbage pail, and it's so clear that there's a a double standard. Uh, you know, rape was used as a, a common vehicle by Nazi Germany. I have a cousin. We know her history. She was a 15-year-old beautiful woman who lived in the south of, of Poland, and she was taken to a concentration camp. And we know that she was repeatedly raped by the commandant of the concentration camp and then killed. Um, so I have it in my family. And uh, rape was a weapon of war in Bosnia. Rape was a weapon of war in a number of other uh, uh, encounters. And now rape has become a, a, a dominant method of, of, um, uh, of activity and warfare by Hamas. And yet these young Hitler youth, um, including many of my, some of my friends' children, some, some 
friends, relatives are marching in favor of Hamas. And that is just revolting. It's as if they're marching in favor of, you know, the Ku Klux Klan Alan, or people who want to uh, lynch uh, Jews. Alan, it's Richard yeah. Weinberg. Uh, yeah. Mark Hazowitz was on today. Yeah. And he's talking about a lawsuit he's filed on behalf of some University of Pennsylvania students saying that's a violation under the civil rights law because the whole atmosphere on the campus of the University of Pennsylvania is intimidating and threatening. What are your thoughts about that? No, I agree with that. My son went to the University of Pennsylvania, and, uh, you know, we contribute to the University of Pennsylvania uh, no more. Kasowitz not only is suing the University of Pennsylvania, but I think he's suing NYU as well, and there are lawsuits now against Berkeley. I want to make it clear to lawyers that I volunteer to help in any of these lawsuits, including against Harvard, and um, I have volunteered to testify as a whistleblower against Harvard. Today, the president of Harvard couldn't even answer a direct question by uh, Congresswoman Stepanek. Uh, does Harvard permit students to call for genocide against the Jewish people? She I, wouldn't uh, answer that I, got, uh, I just got a text from Vito Fasella, the borough president of, uh, of uh, Staten Island. It says crime up 51 percent. In the last two years on Staten Island, and 12.5% year-to-date. Wow. That's scary. That's scary. A lot like what it's you're talking about in Brooklyn. It's all around the city. We were just talking, Professor, about Brooklyn and the stabbings yeah, and the murders. It's, yeah. it's yeah. despicable. Yeah. I mean... But the numbers are down. If you, if you look at the headline of the, the whole NY uh, New York City release today, it was crime is essentially down. They had a few categories, but overall... They want us to think things are peachy keen, and and so much of it is this process. You're Professor using Dershowitz. my I haven't. I said it yesterday, peachy keen. <laughs> oh, you did. My pilot from People are forty years ago used that. It used to use. That See, it's question. coming back. It's back in vogue, John. See, it's back in vogue. And Larry People Summers, also- Larry Summers just came out, Alan, and yeah. said that uh, the leaders of Harvard and these college campuses are using a double standard. Absolutely. Absolutely. He said that and he's right about it. And um, there was a great cartoon when he was fired from Harvard for making some statement about women in mathematics. There was a cartoon in one of the newspapers that had him on his hands and knees to the board uh, and saying, I didn't mean that women can't do math. I meant that Israel is a genocidal state. Now can I have my job back? And, uh, you know, the, the double standard is so rampant. Uh, for example, the, the, the whole DEI, diversity, equity and inclusion, excludes Jews and Asians. Uh, Jews are not part of diversity. And equity means lack of equality. And that's been one of the big problems. The DEI bureaucracy has been uh, a place uh, where anti-Semitism is bred and promoted and until the universities get rid of that bureaucracy, they're going to see more and more anti-Semitism. And by the way, it goes over to anti-Catholic, anti-Judeo-Christian, anti-American. Uh, there's a very short distance, and soon we're going to see, I predict it, we want- see these kids, violent, violent kids, engaged in the kind of conduct that the weathermen engaged in in the 1970s. It's coming to a theater near you. And so everybody ought to hope that the lesson of this war is that terrorism of the kind conducted by Hamas cannot be rewarded. At the moment, it's being rewarded at universities. Dumb. Uh, 
Professor Dershowitz, thank you for coming on, and uh, we'll we'll have you on again uh, this week. And we love you. And we, I love people that tell the truth. Thank you so much. Thank you. And uh, now uh, a friend of yours, uh, Craig. Yes. We have uh, John, uh, John Samuelson, Samuelson coming on and congestion pricing. They're, they're putting co- nails in the coffin of Manhattan. I don't know what John's going to say. He is the union leader that uh, resigned from the uh, board of congestion pricing. He's the, right now he's the international <clears throat> president of the TWU since 2017. From 10 to 17, he was the president of the local TWU, and he's a 30-year track worker. And, I mean, uh, and he joins hard. us now. I, I love New York, and I hope we don't lose New York. Right. And John, John speaks like us. He wants is John sense on yet? And, yeah, John and he is tells on. the truth. John. Bring him in. Yep. And, uh, John, you have just heard, obviously, the background, so we give everybody perspective. You just left sort of the congestion pricing, the committee that was looking into all this. Can you tell us why? Yes. I didn't leave because I disagree with the concept of reducing congestion coming into the city. I fully agree with that concept. I left because the MTA absolutely refuses, and as I said, moronically refuses to do what they need to do in order to fully make this plan a success, which is to put out a ton, a massive investment in new bus and subway service in order to give the folks that that they're trying to convince to get off, get out of their cars and onto public transit, an option. So right now, there's an expectation by the MTA that on day one, whenever it starts in 2024, that co- those who currently uh, commute via, via cars are going to get are going to have they're going to either pay the toll or they're going to get onto the current transit system or commuter rail system and and into the existing system with no new option. And uh, and for me, that's a travesty. John, are they going to keep the people safe? I mean, this is what a lot of people talk to me about. They are scared. Yeah, so I mean that's that's it's kind of a it's a secondary issue in a way. I I understand what you're getting at the the policing of the system. The system, of course, has to be safe. That the in order to have a vibrant system, in order to make the system a, a viable alternative for those who currently drive, the system has to be perceived and has to, in fact, be safe and reliable. And I don't, I don't want my kids. I don't want my kids in the subway. The subway They're yeah. not going to be yeah. safe. You know, I mean, safety to me is number one. But you know what, John? I think you're right. I think you're right. But I also agree timing is off. I mean, how are they going to do congestion pricing and force people into the buses and the subways when the buses and the subways, there's not enough equipment to handle it? But I think, you know, we've been talking here for many, many months about the timing for congestion pricing is just off. A lot of the, the, the commercial buildings here are empty. People are afraid of the subway. There's a lot of crime. I mean, kick it down the road for two or three years until we can solve New York's other crises and then talk about congestion pricing. Yeah, I think I think we just have a different perspective on that. Okay. I, I have a perspective, and, and the MTA is not fulfilling, fulfilling anybody's perspective on it, frankly, but my perspective is that if they invested and they and created this massively robust subway and bus system with, with doubling and tripling down on, on the express bus service into the city, that we create such a such a, a, a looked upon favorably network that folks like me and my wife would want to jump on the express bus coming from southern Brooklyn to get into the city in a jiffy and, and enjoy what Manhattan has to offer. But that that's not happening. I understand the perspective that you're talking about, how we have to kick it down the road. But that that the perspective that I have is that if we had a vibrant transit system, an incredibly vibrant, robust system that would attract new people to come into the city when they're not currently coming. 
It's an interesting perspective. I mean, I think we're, we're both saying the same thing. I, I think that we're not ready right now for congestion pricing. You're saying it for one reason. I'm saying it for another reason. And, but and I think we need is, to kick it down the road. They're going to take in – they said they want to take in $600, $800 million from congestion pricing. Meanwhile – they're crapping away $800 million a year in fair beaters. It's just a money grab. This is nothing but a money grab, this That's congestion pricing. That's all it is, is money it's grab. Taking money because, you know, I heard today there was a study out that most people that drive into the city are just going to come in and pay the extra $15. So it's, they're gonna, it's going to be a money grab, but it's not going to solve the problem of what congestion pricing Absolutely. is supposed to be doing. John Sanderson, well, please, keep us informed. My major criticism was that if they – if this was not about generating revenue, they would put new service out. The yeah. fact that they're not putting new service out to attract riders means that it is all about generating revenue. Excellent point. I think that's a great point. John, John. Samuelson, it's all about the money. That's, that, that's what it is. It's a money grab. And please keep us informed. We'll have you on in the next couple of weeks again. Keep us informed what the heck is going on. And, John, Merry Christmas. Merry Say Christmas. hello to your family, to Gladys and Don and, and everyone else, your wife and the kids. Um, happy right, holidays, Thank, Thank you. Thank, Thank you so much. Bye. Let's take a break. And when we come back, we have John Solomon, and he's got some interesting breaking news. With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYC. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. And joining us now with some big breaking news is the founder of Just the News, John Solomon. Uh, John, take it away. There's a lot of stuff on Hunter Biden and Joe Biden. Oh, there is. Just remember four years ago, Joe Biden saying, I never got any money from my son's company. Well, to the contrary, we now know. Uh, House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer released documents yesterday showing $1,300 monthly payments going from Hunter Biden's law company, a a company that had gotten a whole bunch of money from China to his father, uh, allegedly over a car payment. A lot of questions about that. Not only does it debunk some of the things that Joe Biden said, but there are now potential tax consequences because according to the statement that Hunter Biden's lawyer put out, this was a personal car payment. But when Hunter Biden and his father covered it for a little while, Joe Biden covers it for a little while, then Hunter Biden repays him. But instead of paying him from his personal account, he pays it from a legal company account in one of his company accounts potential conversion of corporate assets people asking questions about that today we'll see what more comes out over the next few days meanwhile behind closed doors the irs was answering questions for several hours today so they're back before congress as well so the 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 big question is uh was he uh uh, the vice president at that time or was he the president at that time or was he just a u.s citizen at that time and then I would say the next question I would ask if I was an investigator is, uh, uh, did he pay taxes on the money? So, I mean, if those, those three items were established, then, you, then we could say he's guilty or not guilty. Yeah, so we do know that it was in the period between when Joe Biden was vice president 
the president. We don't know about the tax issue. But remember, Joe Biden answered broadly that no matter when his son was doing business, he never engaged with his son's business. We now know that, of course, not to be true. So on the question of what he told the American people to get elected in 2020, Joe Biden has yet another X on that card. Uh, As you know, we call the laptop fake uh, Russian disinformation. It wasn't. He said he never met with business partners. We now have evidence of more than two dozen meetings and phone conversations. Uh, And he also said, my family never got money from China. Part of the proceeds that Hunter Biden uses to fund his law firm that then pays his dad, well, they came from a $5 million payment from uh, China that was marked as a loan. So on the issue of whether he told the American people the truth, Joe Biden has a big problem heading into the 2024 election. Absolutely. I'm I'm sure there's a lot of... uh, uh lies there but the question is is it is it did he violate an actual law and he would violate a law if he never paid the taxes on it and lied about uh, it's a loan or not loan you follow me right and that's where it seems yeah. like they're going those are the two issues i think john where they're looking into right you exactly yeah but then, right. then you come down to high crimes and misdemeanor uh, how does that affect uh, the presidency of the United States? Well, and to John's yeah. point, John, is it this sort of accumulation of things um, or is there some big smoking gun? Because what they're about to vote next week. Is I mean, this right on the uh, same story? Uh, high crimes and misdemeanors is if you receive the payment from China and you did something uh, to, to favor China, right, it's the that is high quo. crimes and misdemeanors. It's the quid pro quo. Right. Yes, right. yes. Uh, other than that, if he wasn't the vice president or he wasn't the president at the time, you know, uh, if he didn't pay, and if he didn't pay taxes, that's up to the IRS then. Yeah, he could be in trouble on other yeah. things. You know, the thing I keep going back to, guys, is also the son of a bee. Remember that moment with the Ukrainian prosecutor? We said, OK, we're going to not give you the aid if you don't. And I jokingly say uh, uh, when he's ordering Israel around right now, he's telling Israel the same thing. I'll take the aircraft carrier away if you don't do, uh, you know, okay. if you don't do X, Y and Z. But like I said. I jokingly say that, but there might be more truth than that. Yeah, where, where is that? Because that is really the cusp of it, John. Was there a policy decisions in regard to holding up aid or something like that? Well, one of the things that uh, the first off, the questions that John is asking are exactly the right questions. It's why they're trying to force Hunter Biden to sit down for a transcribed interview, a deposition, so they can get those answers because they don't know all the details. They've got a money trail but they don't have some of the bones on the money trail. So without, those are the questions Hunter Biden will be asked when he ultimately is forced to sit down, if he is forced to sit down. Now, remember one of the things that we saw early on in the Biden administration that people have linked back to the money. Now, when they first made the links, Joe Biden was saying, I didn't get money from my family, didn't get money from China. Now we know they did. One of the things that Joe Biden did as soon as he came back into the White House, this time as president, not as vice president, he shut down the FBI's most effective counter-espionage investigation against China, the one that was looking at how Chinese China uses academia to get spies into the country and spy on America's steel assets. There's never been a good explanation why Joe Biden and the Biden administration forced the FBI to shut down something that the FBI did not want to shut down. Now that we know that real China money flowed in, millions of dollars 
flowed into Hunter Biden. And we also know that a major bank said, hey, this money flowing to the Biden family looks like influence peddling. We know China likes to send money to the children of politicians to get something for the politician. All of those questions bubble back up to the top. For years, Joe Biden blunted those questions by saying, you don't have proof that my family got China money. Now there's millions of dollars. Those questions are back on the front radar right now. Yeah, no, that's a lot. Very quick, do we know if the vote's going to happen next week? We just have a few seconds, John. Yes, Mike Johnson expects to get it done between Tuesday and Thursday of next week, a vote to formalize the House impeachment inquiry. These aren't articles of impeachment, but a formal thing. That gives the committee the ability to go to court and force uh, compliance with subpoenas. All right. Well, John Solomon, thank you very much. Wow, lots of interesting stuff. Let's see where this goes and if Hunter goes under oath and others. John Solomon, thank you. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. Now, now, Rita, if they received money to give, and that's why they shut down the, the uh, uh, investigation of the universities, then that's, that's high crimes and misdemeanors, maybe. I mean, yeah, but, and, but, and but everybody has to be a policy. I don't want to hear games being played between the, the Republicans and the Democrats. I want to know serious stuff. High crimes and misdemeanors, yes. Uh, nickels and dimes, stupidity. And, They're just playing political games. And, John, I agree with you. I, I think if you're going to go after impeaching a president, it has to be a very high bar. The question is, what's there? Maybe now judge with them having subpoena power to be able to enforce it if they actually launch this inquiry, which it sounds like they're going to do next week. What does that enable them to maybe find? Well, the Speaker Johnson is, is calling a vote. If you have a formal inquiry, then the subpoena power is much broader, and they're able to go in themselves into court to enforce the subpoenas. So it gives them the, the well, leverage. Let's come back. Let's come back. I mean, there's a lot more to talk about, but we have to take a hard break right now. Who are you coming back with? We have a former Deputy National Security Advisor, Victoria Coates, who is going to talk about a wild story. It is a U.S. diplomat has been arrested on suspicions of spying for Cuba and also some big details coming out of Israel. A lot more coming up after the break. You're commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now, here's John Katz and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. And welcome back here to Katz and Cosby. Lots of stuff happening on the international front. We've been talking about, what's the word, Judge? We use stooges, right? right. That are inside. Stooges in the State Department, the CIA Defense Department. That's what we're talking about. Yeah, and Now we have a new stooge. Yeah, now we have a new new one. A Cuba. Cuba. Yeah, 73-year-old Manuel Roca. He is a career-long U.S. diplomat, and they're saying that he was secretly working for Cuba. Uh, joining us to talk about this and so much more is the former Deputy National Security Advisor for then-President Trump, Victoria Coates. Victoria, uh, this is really scary stuff. What was your reaction that he once served this guy at the U.S. mission in Havana? Oh, it's great. It's horrifying. Good to be with you guys, as always. But, you know, we all knew. Manuel Roca. I mean, he, he was a presence at the State Department even during the Trump administration. And so while we were trying to unwind some of the Obama policies toward Cuba, you know, this person who is literally a Cuban spy was in the middle of it with a top secret uh, security clearance. Wait, wait, wait. So, what, wait so was he there when you were there? Was he still there? He, he was known. I don't know where he was. It just it, it was a name that would crop up 
frequently in any discussion of Cuba. And, uh, and did they and, know that he was uh, playing both sides? I mean, not to my knowledge. That wasn't my area. But I, I would be shocked if anybody knew. I mean, if, if we knew at that point he was a spy. I mean, I can't imagine President Trump doing anything but, you know, throwing him in jail. Yeah, like, can you imagine? That would, be be that would last about right. five minutes. It's a little bit different. That di- would be the best case. Victoria, it's a little bit Richard Weinberg is a little bit different than what we have going on now, the CIA, the Defense Department, and the State Department, where we clearly know that people who have Iranian sympathies and biases who've been carrying the agenda, the pro-Iranian agenda, are working for our government, being paid by our taxpayers. And still with some, still with security, security clearances. clearances. Yeah. No, Judge, that's exactly it. And it's similar in that what went on with Roca had been going on for decades. They apparently recruited him in college. And we've been so slow on the uptake that nobody picked it up for years and years. And it's the same with the Iranian sympathizers. This has been going on for more than 10 years that these people have been active in the United States spreading propaganda for the Iranian regime. And it's just allowed to go on. And, you know, the fact that Rob Malley got absolutely no penalties for whatever his security slip up was uh, last, earlier this year. Is, is shocking. I mean, it, it, all he got was a severance and apparently to go off and teach our children at Princeton. So, you know, this is not being dealt with in any way harshly. And I think it's a very permissive attitude for these ongoing, I, I find them quite shocking, but maybe I'm, I'm naive, uh, breaches. You know, um, Victoria Coates, I want to also talk with you about all of this stuff that's been happening with Israel and especially the silence from women's groups. As a woman, this just it deeply offends me. This just crossed a little bit ago. This is from someone. She is a spokesperson. She was the former one for Bernie Sanders. And this is her reply to this, you know, the silence uh, about these horrible assaults that we're hearing that Hamas did, where broken pelvises, uh, women, uh, you know, naked and executed afterwards. These stories where we've heard Hamas was laughing afterwards. It's horrifying. She puts out a tweet, says, get this, uh, believe all women uh, was always an absurd overreach. Women should be heard, claims should be investigated, but evidence is required. The same is true of allegations out of Israel. But also, this isn't a believe-all-women scenario because no female victims have offered testimony. They're They're dead. dead. They're dead. They've been tortured, brutalized, and they're dead. This is shocking. I mean, their bodies are speaking. I mean, this is shocking. And by the way, and Hamas took the video of it. It's horrible. Why don't you just look at the 57-minute... Video conducted by Hamas. Yeah, Victoria, your reaction. This is stunning. Right. No, I mean, it gets even worse than that, John. I mean, this is still going on. There are apparently a group of women who are still in Gaza, the sort of young, attractive women. uh, And and apparently they are so damaged, mutilated, broken. uh, But there are reports some of them are some some number of them are still alive that Hamas feels they can't release them because it would just be such a horrible PR situation for them, which is how much they care. So this is still happening, and these people won't speak out for the people who are actually suffering in real time. And it's just, it's it's appalling, and I think just shows us the utter moral degeneracy of all of this kind of critical race theory-based uh, gender, you know, extreme left policies it, it's it's entirely subjective it's in, they're using it when when it suits them and when it doesn't you know those women can just suffer and you the know you the u.n 
Committee on Women took them two months to condemn Hamas. Yeah, and when they and when they did, they barely did. Um, Victoria, before we let you go, um, another big thing on the military front coming out about Israel that there's discussions about them flooding the Hamas tunnels. Those are like the 300 linear miles of tunnels that they say are below. Oh, you have? I I, yeah, yeah, hundreds, whatever, John. But it's it's huge, regardless, right? I mean, it's enormous. Let's let's say too big. Yeah, too yeah. big. And they're talking about uh, putting basically the Mediterranean Sea, drilling a hole and flooding them out. Uh, your thoughts, because there's obviously also a lot of discussions. There are still eight or nine American hostages, more than a 100 others. Probably more. Yeah, probably. Don't you think, John? We probably don't even know yeah. the whole details. Well, I don't unfortunately think we're going to get much traction on getting many more people out, primarily because of these women. In terms of flooding the tunnels, I'm absolutely in favor of it. The Egyptians do the same thing, but they're not nice. They don't use seawater. They use another substance uh, to flush, literally flush out the terrorists. But what was horrifying today, you guys, is there are reports that Biden has given and Blinken have given the Israelis a deadline of a month from now, first week in January, to wrap this up. So I guess as much as it takes, as long as it takes, only applies to Ukraine, not to uh, punishing the terrorist group that killed so many Americans as well as so many Israelis. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Victoria, thank you so much for being here. Uh, Such a powerful discussion. Thank you, Victoria. Let's go now to Steve Rogers. Yep. Yep. We have Lieutenant Steve Rogers, a retired military officer who was assigned to the FBI Joint Terrorism Task Force. And um, Steve Rogers... Your thoughts, this was stunning. Just a few hours ago, the director of the FBI came out today and said he has never seen a threat level like he is seeing Highest now. level ever? Yeah, he said it's like like alarm bells. He described it as bells going off in every different direction. Sometimes there's one in one direction, one in another. He said this is the moment where he has never experienced. He said it is so heightened in every area and he was very concerned. How worried should we be, Steve? We should be extremely worried. I could tell you, Rita, that many of us uh, in the intelligence community and in, in law enforcement have said for a, a quite a matter of time for the past two years, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And the FBI should have been focused on this, uh, collaborating with the CIA, military intelligence, state, local uh, law enforcement agencies for quite some time. Uh, I could tell you that uh, after 9-11, George Bush, the younger George Bush, saw a problem within our intelligence community. And uh, read it was the lack of sharing information. There were turf wars going on between the CIA, the FBI, military intelligence, etc. So what George Bush did was set up a fusion center, uh, a a national joint terrorism task force at FBI headquarters in Washington. I happened to be one of the first military officers ever assigned to that. So we were all together sharing information, analyzing it, and you know what, Rita? Getting it down to local cops so that they could share a lot of information with the people. You see something, say something. And to this day, because of what Bush did, we have not been catastrophically attacked by any terrorists. Now, between now, that time, and the time I left, I'm I'm frightened that and concerned that that all came to an end because the FBI is more focused on uh, moms and PTA mothers at PTA meetings. And I know... It may sound rash, but that's the truth. And Donald Trump and, and everyone else that knows Donald Trump. That's what they're focused on these days. Well, yeah, absolutely <laughs> right. Look, at the, the, their, their eyes uh, have come off the ball. Those red lights, look, uh, Ray has lost the confidence in the American people. Those red blinking lights, believe me, have been going on for two years. 
Uh, we have Iran ready to ready to hit us as hard as they can. Uh, we have our ships under attack in the Red Sea, no response. We have troops being attacked in uh, the Mideast, no response. Now we've got it's animals. And, yeah, we've and got Steve, animals. We have open borders. We're, welcome, we're welcoming the terrorists into the United States. I, welcoming I, I, them. I, I gotta open borders. I, I got to say something. Uh, it was Pennsylvania Society this weekend, 25,000 Pennsylvanians in New York City. They come the first week of December. I'm not going to mention a name, but a U.S. senator. Uh, I knew his father very well. I knew, know him well. His father was the governor. And I asked the U.S. senator, I said, I don't have a problem, but there's open borders. And you know what he says to me, Rita? What did he say? He says to me, oh, it's been like that for 20 years. That's ridiculous. Never. I, I mean, Never. That is, that is I, I, not I correct. Just, my mouth, my jaw dropped. That, my jaw dropped. You know what, Look, John? I, I am kind, whether you're a Democrat or Republican, I'm, I try to be kind to everybody, but my jaw dropped. That is not correct. The numbers speak for themselves. We have never in history had, since this president took office, 7 million encounters, 2 million gotaways. Now, that, last do the math. The numbers speak night, for themselves. I went to a dinner last night, and uh, a Governor Polis from Colorado spoke. It was a dinner party. And, uh, Judge, you were at a dinner party. I understand that uh, at that dinner party there was a uh, Nikki Haley spoke. How is she? She's uh, she's very strong. She's very smart. She, I, I think, she has the right resume for the for the presidency. Whether it's politically viable, I don't know. But I have I've the, always looked at her as the number two. The number two. Yeah, not, I agree. Well, for number one. Well, listen. Look what you have with Biden, and look what oh, you have horrible. with Harris. Look at Harris. So even if Biden leaves the stage, do people really want to have Kamala Harris to protect and this country? Well, she's she's, oh, yeah, she's the, not around By the anymore. way, the borders are, ironically. Where, where is Kamala Harris? No one sees her anymore. Hey, she's vanished. Yeah, yeah, go ahead, Steve. Rita, uh, let's talk about borders. Uh, my organization has been involved very recently with Representative Mike Kelly from Pennsylvania, who is the chairman of the Northern Border Security Caucus in Congress. And you want to know why? Because we just found out, he did to his credit, found out that there are thousands of suspected terrorists crossing our border, the northern border, guys, the northern border from Canada into yep, the United States. Problem they're there walking too. right in. And yeah. the fact of the matter is, it goes back to your point about the FBI. Where are their eyes, for goodness sakes? I find out that, that a lot of these people are from Iran, Syria, uh, from uh, states or, or countries. Is the Justice to, to Department the holding them back from doing their job? Look at what's holding them back from doing their job is Joe Biden, the executive. That's uh, it. The ex- uh, chief executive that, officer of our country. He's in charge. He's in charge. And, and, and the fact of the matter is, is that if the people in the justice shouldn't, department. Shouldn't Christopher Ray just stand up and say that? He should. He I mean, should. hey, he I, I, I would stand up if I was Christopher Ray and I would say, fire me. I mean, I have well, no idea. I have no idea what about, the truth but look is. Look at John. You're, you're John. I'm sorry. You're John. Yes. John, you're talking about a person that should have courage, for goodness sake. Yes. None of these people have courage. Uh, they don't have the guts. Uh, 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 I've got to tell you what I'm really worried about. Have we see, are we seeing our country being taken over from within? Forget the insurrection nonsense. Yeah. I mean, it seems it's to me correct. these people it's are correct. passing laws. Our crime is up. They're doing nothing against criminals. Domestic problems added off the roof. And now we've got outside threats. The first responsibility of the government is to protect the people from domestic and foreign 
terrorists. Thank you. Born Steve, yeah, Steve Rogers, we've got to take a hard yep. break right now, but we want to have you back and we want to continue this conversation. Let's take that hard break. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here on Cats and Cosby. Lots of stuff happening with the migrants and much more. And joining us now is New York Congresswoman Nicole Maliotakis. Uh, fill us in on the very latest, Congresswoman. Well, it's great to be with you guys, and you know, thank you for always speaking common sense in the in New York City. And people need to hear what you all have to say. And uh, you know, just this weekend, I had a press conference that highlighted in a New York City contract with the migrant uh, shelter that's on Staten Island. Um, remember, this was the former assisted living facility where they kicked out the seniors and the veterans, and they turned it into a migrant shelter. Well, at that facility, we foiled. We did a Freedom of Information Law request, and we found out that there's a provision in the contract that requires the contractor to register all individuals. That's the language, not citizens. All individuals must receive a voter registration form. And so, you know, Rita, you and I talked not too long ago about how the law that de Blasio uh, put in effect with the city council before he left would uh, require, would allow for anybody residing in New York City for just 30 days if they had either a green card or work authorization, right, to register to vote for New York City's municipal elections. And this just basically reaffirms what we've been saying all along, that the city has the intention to uh, register these individuals to vote. And as you know, uh, Vito Fisella and I and the other Staten Island Republican electives have sued to stop that initial law from going into effect. And that's the only thing that is stopping migrants living in New York City for just 30 days if they receive work authorization from registering to vote. And, Nicole, it's Richard Weinberg. Let's be very clear. The Supreme Court judge who had that case was absolutely correct. This is unconstitutional. Only citizens can vote. And the city council has no authority to broaden that. The state constitution is clear on this issue, and hopefully appellate division will affirm that decision. Yeah, that's that's right, Judge. And, you know, what's really disturbing is that Mayor Adams and the city council, they chose to appeal the judge's decision. They, they insist that they want to allow non-citizens in New York City for 30 days to be able to register to vote. And so, you know, the the... the it's interesting because the, the city accused me of uh, putting out misinformation, but, you know, the contract's quite clear. So there was a very sloppy attorney that they had, uh, but just the fact that they chose the words carefully, that all contractors have to distribute voter registration forms to individuals, to individuals yeah. interesting. right? Interesting. Not citizens, individuals. Uh, and so, um, you know, they say it's a boilerplate, and that's nonsense. You should never have a boilerplate that says distribute these forms to all individuals residing at the shelters. It should specifically say citizens. Nicole, this is Craig Eaton. Um, you know, you, what you did was, was excellent. But, you know, what I don't understand is this is part and parcel of the Democrats' plan. Let's support the migrants. Let's bring them in. Then we get them to vote. And then we ensure that we continue to elect the Democrats, far left Democrats, and just continue to destroy the city of New York. It's a plan. Well, you know what? Uh, it, it may very well be a, uh, a plan, and I, I agree with you. I mean, based on what we're seeing, the fact that they've even passed laws to allow them to vote, uh, it is an issue. And, I mean, it's really troublesome that Chuck Schumer refuses to uh, pass our law that would secure the border and end this crisis. I mean, the only way we're really going to resolve this issue is if we do not elect uh, President Biden next year. 
Uh, and uh, we take either that or we take the Senate. One, one or the other has to happen for us to get some common sense uh, restored. And again, we welcome immigrants, but we want them to come uh, legally the right way. And you know what's also very unfair? They're pushing people who've been waiting in the system for years to the back of the line. They actually have a last in first out approach. So people who are coming over the border and applying for asylum have their cases heard first before people who have been in the system waiting for years. I've, I've had constituents actually who have had a green card to expire. They're trying to get it renewed and they're now being pushed to the back, back of the line, line to get the renewal. Nicole, uh, you, you think in our discussion with uh, uh, the new speaker on Sunday, uh, I got my point across about common sense. Yeah, you absolutely did, John. And, and you know what? You're right. Uh, we, we have to look, we have to transcend, you know, the party, the parties and say, look, we're, we're speaking common sense. And the Republican Party is speaking common sense. Uh, and we're talking about the issues that really matter to people, right? People want to see uh, fiscal sanity. They want to see a reduction in this. And I want to get the help. Come down. And I wanted to get the sense. help. Nicole, I wanted to get the help of common sense, common sense independents and common sense Democrats to join in as Americans versus just just fighting each other. Well, everybody should care about the border and our national security. That's the bottom line, John. I mean, protecting the homeland should be key. That's not a, a Republican issue, Democratic issue. That's a red, white, and blue issue. You know, Nicole, I met Madeline Brehm today, who was running for Congress in the 16th Congressional District, and that's someone who has common sense. I mean, her son was an Afghan veteran and was killed, and she fought D.A. Bragg, and, and ensured that the people went to prison. I mean, those are people we need in Congress. She's very impressive. She's we had her on the show. I love her. Vito Fisella was on her. before. We talked to him that the crime is up like 52% or something in Staten Island. Yeah, look, uh, crime is up all across the city because the people in charge, which happen to be the Democrats in this case, do not have common sense. They're not They're not actually governing in, in what would make sense. Criminals, repeat offenders, they need to be in jail, not back on the streets, John. Thank you. We, we agree with you. Thank and you, thank Nicole. You. Thank you. Thank you. We all stand for truth, truth justice, and the American, American way. way. God bless America. God bless New York. We need God's help.